Hello, and welcome to episode two of Heroic Debate. Uh, as usual, I'm Neil, and was always with me is... Steve, I'm right here. So for all of you who joined in with our first episode, we thank you for your listening and your patronage, and for hanging with us to episode two, which hopefully will be a bit more organized and a lot less on the error side. Um, we even have a little schedule of events today, so we're going to dive right into it. Um, Steve, why don't you uh, tell us what you're reading this week, or your off-the-shelf picks for our listeners. So, um, diving right into the comic book shelf, uh, right now I have a, a few that I picked up on free comic book day, um, but I, I'm looking at the new Black Bolt number one. Um, I read the, the Collected Series of Champions, and um, a Kind of a cool uh, one-off series if you're um, a fan of the, the the Luke Cage Netflix series. There's a there's a cool book out there called Cage, um, which I'm just kind of scratching the surface on. But it's a uh, it's a neat uh, a neat take on the on the Luke Cage character, kind of harkening back to his uh, 1970s uh, street interpretation that uh, I think readers will enjoy. And that's the that's the. Was it? I, I want to murder his name if I say it, but the uh, Genity... Gendy Gendy Tartakovsky. Yeah, the Gendy. guy that did. You probably better know him for Samurai Jack. Samurai Jack and uh, uh, the Foster's Home for Imaginary. Oh yeah, yeah. Imaginary Friends. Imaginary, yeah, imaginary I remember friends. that one. Um, yeah, very. Uh, and he's also done uh, a couple movies now: uh, Hotel Transylvania one and two. Um, right. That he's a but but a real real well known name in in the animation, and uh, just kind of had a, a cool opportunity to um, to do this this series. Uh, it just the art style is what grabbed me. I um, I am I have just barely looked at the book, but uh, I, I, I the the art style is what immediately appeals to you, uh, to me on that. Um, the other ones, uh, I mean, I, I did read through Black Bolt number one and. Um, we may get into this a little bit later, but actually, I mean, the Inhumans have always been kind of like intriguing and yet elusive to me. I've not, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of aware of them, but I've never really understood what their role in the Marvel Universe is. They're kind of, they're, they're kind of a resurrected group from, I would say, maybe like, you know, within the 60s and stuff, they're sort of a, fa they were a Fantastic Four piece, um, you know, and it. If you go back to like the you know the stellar empires and stuff like that, they're kind of tied into the Kree and that you know at well, some point the, yeah Marvel cosmic right at some point in the past realm. they fiddled around with human genetics and came you know to sort of create super soldiers more or less and ended up with you know the Inhumans. I mean, in a, in a way, I mean, how they had uh, the mutants became sort of the big thing in the 80s and anybody could be a mutant because they would just suddenly like awaken one day and they would mature into mutanthood but in a similar way the the inhumans um can be awakened at any time in their lifespan by just being exposed to um, the terrigen mist which is is uh, a factor that is tied into the the mythology of the, of the inhumans and um i i would i would i, mean, I think we're just trying to like find a, a way to make them uh relevant in in today's day and age you know and, and try to undate them 
Um, well, especially like you mentioned, like, we'll talk a little bit later that the I mean there's a TV series yeah. in the making, and so the comic focus right now is to draw a lot of attention to Inhumans because they've not only in addition to Black Bolt, we've got Uncanny Inhumans, uh, we've got Inhumans on the uh, Marvel the core, yeah, Shield. Yeah, we've got yeah. we have Inhumans showing up in the uh, Unity team for Avengers. Uh, Ms. Marvel is a yeah. The new Ms. Marvel is a Inhuman. Uh, it's just like yeah, it's quite. They're kind of in a way they're the mutants of the two thousands. Yeah, there was. Say. That's that's not that's not far off from what I understand. And there there are some out there who kind of feel that uh, they have been sort of brought up to replace mutants that have kind of fallen in some some popular disfavor. Um, with, well, uh, with the media of of Marvel, but there's some legal. I mean, I'm sure as far as the you know media properties are concerned, there's some legal issues with Fox and you know Marvel kind of still feuding over the mutant titles, and so you know because of that, if Marvel wants to proceed with you know doing movies, they can't really tackle X Men, but they can certainly do Inhumans, which are very similar kind of setup and so it's yeah it's definitely there's a lot of revision happening where they're you know focusing a bit more on some of the and they're cool characters too i'm actually uh, glad to see a few of them getting you know a little bit more focus uh i mean black bolt in particular is kind of an interesting character in and of it that he i mean he does if he speaks that then people and things that's get broken <laughs> that's it that's his superpower that if he if he says a word even if he breathes really hard he can he can basically blow apart walls. It's you know the sound of his voice um, is just what I mean. With that he he killed his own parents using his voice. Um, that doesn't make him a villain. He's actually the king of the Inhumans. He's the he's their leader, but he has to learn how to temper his power and to um, to restrain himself. And in in the in the in the storyline, he has um, communicated through. Um, uh, like sign language, um, with his uh, with his wife and his his family, to um, to communicate his his uh, his deeds, but um, in this one he has been he has been cast out, basically he's on his own he um, he finds himself depowered, all of a sudden he's he's in a mysterious prison, and um, I think the the reader is just kind of left, you know, kind of in the same boat that he is. He doesn't know why he is there or why where his powers have gone and what's in store for him. It's just a very interesting. And I should say the the artwork on this. I mean, the the writing is by um, Saladin Ahmed, um, and the artwork is by Christian Ward. And Christian Ward is an amazing artist. Um, he's he's done work with uh, Matt Fraction on Odyssey. Which is a you know a visually stunning uh, book um, that almost you know the the art is um, a story in itself. You could just kind of get lost in the artwork, and it's the same thing with Black Bolt. Is like that the 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 panels kind of almost flow into each other in a way. It's a very um, it's a very interesting book, and it it may not be a book for people to start out with. Um, I mean, like <laughs> if you're getting into comics, it may not be where you want to start but if you're if you're getting into humans or that intrigues you it may be a good place to start on if you if you already have a good good foothold on the uh on the marvel universe it may be a an interesting way to get in there because i 
I've tried I've tried in the past to, to read Inhuman stuff and it, it I always get lost in it, but this is a good a good hopping on point I think for for that. Well, they've definitely I mean there's a it's a pretty confusing history with them. I've always like I, I've always been intrigued by the older sort of Kirby esque legacy stuff and yeah. like the the Inhumans were one of those. I also uh, very much like the uh, the Eternals, mm-hmm. um, which is that's where actually uh, we're even seeing some of that play out with the Celestials were introduced yes. in the Eternals, and uh, it's kind of a similar idea. It's like where we have the Kree experiment on humans, we get the we get the Inhumans from those experimentations, and then the Celestials came at some point and they experimented on people, and that's where the Eternals come from. And yeah, it's just way, like way it's, down the Marvel yeah. cosmic rabbit hole. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's they're they're cool legacy stuff. I'm glad to see some of them coming back. Um, uh, I'm actually intrigued to to see some of the stuff that they're doing. I've been reading some of the other Inhuman titles, but I'll go into that in a second. Uh, unless you've got something else that you want no, to, yeah, drop. Let's, let's hear what your what's on your shelf. So uh, this, my big recommendation, um, this cast is definitely going to be uh, the Vision series uh, one through twelve. So uh, it yeah, the some of those great balances of of artwork to a, in my opinion, a, a very underused character. Um, we get so for the those who are familiar from the movie side of it, a Vision, of course, is an android um, that is to the cinematic universe very new. But you know, in the comic book universe, he's been around for a while uh, to the point where he's even had an unsuccessful marriage to the Scarlet Witch. And he decides to, he wants a normal life to the point where he builds his own family, uh, takes a job in Washington as an advisor to the president and kind of tries to fulfill this normal life. But in, you know, comic book standards, that never is going to happen. Something's going to go wrong. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. And without giving away too much, it's just one of those great reads to see almost an analysis on like the modern American family. Like it's almost like there is some type of level that he just wants to be at. Like it's like an achievable thing. And uh, just to see how they work towards this and even how the family, you know, in spite of being so different, uh, still strikes a chord. Uh, Being a family person myself, I think maybe I've got, you know, a little bit more, out of it than your average reader, but anyone is really, I think, can read this and really, really enjoy it. It's a fabulous, uh, take it as it is, uh, self-completing storyline. I, I, uh, I picked this one up, uh, based on the artwork and I had some, uh, not, not spoilers. Uh, I mean, like how to, how to, describe it someone described it kind of like if, if if you like breaking bad it's sort of like a little bit of frankenstein and a little bit of breaking bad and a little you know like you're not quite sure who the uh the antagonist of the series is but it's it's a super fascinating read and i think it's it that that is a, a good one to to break into comics with if you're if you're looking for a way to to get in i think um yeah, if you want a good self-contained story that's even passes as a great introduction to a character that's still relevant um, within the Marvel Universe, uh, this is great. I mean, it has, I mean, there's even cameos of the majority of the Avengers in it at one point. Uh, we realize that, you know, as sort of a side character, how potentially dangerous the Vision is, which I thought was kind of cool to 
look into as well is that there's a great deal of of fear around this particular hero which you don't normally see in the comics up to this point and you know like the potential for disaster well, there is with him. the vision zone origins kind of um he was he, he he was introduced almost as a as a villainous character and through his own programming and journey he he found um a heroic mor- morality and and this is him still in, a, in pursuit of that morality because you know he wants to um create a family what could you know like in in, in pursuing in pursuing a a human like you know it's it's that old uh like pinocchio wants to be a real boy kind of uh theme um and he he has it within him to create life on his own um and what goes right and what goes not so right um fascinating and and fun read um and it i as i i I had heard that the writer originally set out to to create it as just a self-contained story there's 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 not any uh i mean when when you read this when you read the the collected work um you're done that's it i mean you you can continue to read other stories and not feel like this has to to lead on and, and you have to keep reading it and keep reading it and you're, you're not going to get uh, sucked into a, a long, year-long, years-long um, story arc or anything like that. You know, the the, the series is the, now the collected work. The Omnibus is out, and you're you're going to just enjoy all of it, really. And if if you enjoy that, then kind of back to one of my um, uh, picks of the off the shelf is uh, Champions. Is it continues one of the the, the storyline of one of the characters introduced in in the visions um, book. Uh, yeah, yeah, Viv, 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 Viv Vision, and and how she pursues you know being um, a essentially a teenage girl, a superhero, and a team member. You know how she interacts with other um, other superhero teens. Um, at that time, it's a it's a great book and some great characters introduced in that, and uh, it it really gets you. There's there's some there's a, a good emotional um, bit to it as well. And so my uh, I've got a sort of a sec I've got a second and a third pick. Um, the the second pick I've got is uh, Infamous Iron Man. So uh, Iron Man's on a little bit of a well, let's say Tony Stark's on a little bit of a hiatus at this point. So he's been. Um, okay, spoiler alert, he's been comatose since the end of Civil War II and has been, uh, in his books, replaced by two characters. And we kind of, we talked about this a tiny bit on the last podcast, but in, in essence we have, uh, on one side we have uh, Riri Williams taking taking on the, you know, the red and gold, you know, armor and sort of living out that side of it. Uh, and then we have, on the other side, we have infamous Iron Man, which is uh, Dr. Doom, who admittedly, even to himself, expresses the idea that in the absence of the Fantastic Four, the only one he really resonates with is Tony Stark. And when Tony Stark ends up comatose, he decides the best path to redemption is to take up a suit of armor and become... Iron Man. That doesn't seem like a huge leap for Doctor Doom. He's already uh, <laughs> in the suit of armor, but you know. Although it's interesting with the ego that he presents, that he would wear Tony Stark's armor as opposed to his like his own designs. 
Uh, and there's an interesting, even bigger aspect to that in that they're playing up more of uh, Victor Von Doom's aspect as a like sorcerer. Uh, he's using magic in equal parts with uh, technology, and he has a great understanding of you know technology. They they're playing up the whole polymath you know idea that he can grasp multiple disciplines at the same time, and so a little bit of Marvel magic mixed in with yeah with Marvel tech. Yeah, and we're talking about you know a character that in a lot of you know permutations has been the Sorcerer Supreme and stuff like that. So we know he has a lot of potential in one way or the other but i'm three issues into it it's just kind of a fun read because it's you know basically one of the high level villains of the marvel universe trying to redeem himself and absolutely nobody believes that that's the case <laughs> no matter how many good things he constantly he's constantly reminding people how he saved their lives like that's an important thing in and of it rather than just doing it um, it's like he, he, there's still that little bit of doom ego in there that he needs to seek relevance for what he's doing and that the fact that he is trying to redeem himself uh, should be noted and everyone should be paying attention and instead, not so much. Well, you know, he's an interesting guy because he, he, he does sort of, he's, he's very lawful evil, to use a, uh, a borrowed comic book term. Or a nerd, oh, a term, Dungeon nerd, Dragons term. Dragon yeah. yeah, you know that he he has his own set set of of rules, and he's out to protect his own people because he is a, he is also the ruler of a nation. Um, but why you would trust a guy with the name Doom in the title in his, in his own name? You know, he, he he kind of comes from that 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 very two dimensional comic book uh, villain, but. But they're really giving him an extra dimension here. I've heard nothing but good things about this book, but I, um, but I haven't had a chance to, to read it myself. So I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to picking it up. Yeah, it's another good match of you know artwork. The artwork is great. Uh, it's is that a relatively, on I think so. Yeah, yeah. and then some of his like some of his previous stuff in Iron Man was was really good. Um, and and just like branching into this is like a perfect perfect match for what he wants to do. Uh, my third piece is um, uh, more of an event-wide one. I've only read the first piece of it, but it really intrigued me. So we're going to tie this back to the Inhumans again. As I started reading um, Inhumans versus X-Men, uh, which is super interesting, more in the current continuity. Um, just as a brief little backstory piece, um, part of the whole, like, the leading, into, well, leading into Black Bolt being on his own... Is that one of the last acts he did as a monarch was to basically detonate what was left of the Terrigen, the Terrigen crystals yeah. into basically these clouds that are floating around, and just and anyone with inhuman DNA is rather than sort of voluntarily entering the Terrigen mists and changing into what their true form is supposed to be. Uh, as these clouds pass through cities, they're just leaving these like, and that's how we get Miss Marvel, know, and that's how we get uh, Moon Girl. And... Right. So this is an event that happened a bit back and introduced some other characters, but as we start to find out, the Terrigen clouds are basically also killing mutants. It affects their DNA in in such a way that I believe they're referring it to like the Mpox or something like that, and it's. Uh, some mutants are capable of surviving, but the majority of them are like sick or dying or dead. And it reaches a point where they basically, in the first issue, they alluded to the idea that, you know, the beast, one of the best minds in the Marvel universe, certainly amongst the mutant community, 
uh, has been working for the better part of six months using everything he's got and the inhuman technology to, to fix what you know what's causing the Terrigen to kill mutants and he basically says there I can't I've failed there's nothing I can do and so we now have if you're following the X-Men titles series right now well we got you're following the X-Men titles there's sort of two factions right now and Cyclops is leading a more militant faction of it and they decide well the goal is we need to destroy the clouds old Cyclops or young Cyclops old Cyclops okay we're leading to the downfall of old Cyclops here so he decides the Terrigen Clouds need to be destroyed. And he actually, using a another mutant's ability, they are able to destroy one cloud. Uh, but of course, this becomes a point of contention because if the Terrigen is completely destroyed, then the Inhumans lose their birthright. But at the same token, if they don't destroy the Terrigen Cloud, it's actually going to, at some point, metastasize into the ecosystem and make the whole planet uninhabitable mutants so there's sort of this deadlock between them how do we we share this land right and so of course there's still like we've got forge and some other guys are trying to figure out how you know to to still fix what's going on and then you've got other ones who are like nope it's too you've got magneto and no one's going it's too late for that uh and so of course we end up with the inevitable you know conflict between the inhumans and and x-men uh, so far, the first issue is great because it's sort of this strategic strike, which was really well laid out about how they've targeted all of these Inhumans, like, one by one. So, like, the first one we have to take out is, you know, this guy, and we're going to use the, this mutant to take him out. And uh, and none of them are being taken out in a way that they're killed, which is actually kind of clever, is that they're using it like we need to incapacitate these people because we don't want to kill them. We just need them out of the way so we can destroy the last cloud and be done with it and sorry if that ruins your culture but this is you know it's death for us versus your birthright kind versus of thing genocide versus right i mean you know well, well with the inhumans it seems it's a very it's a monarchy right you know and it's a yeah and it's, it's very much so i mean it's like as much as i kind of like black bolt as a character i both love and hate medusa because she is like the epitome of the royal that's above everything with you know the down to the royal we and like we can't be bothered to think about the mutant dilemma because it our people come first you know that kind of thing and well she can't uh, get it out of her head that you know somebody's just as important as she is she's got the the royal exactly well to the point that that's why she and like black bolt are separated because after he detonated the the Terrigen crystals, he just disappears, and it turns out that, like, his brother has, you know, brainwashed him and is, mm. you know, been, you know, traveling around. But because of his absence, she was forced to take the throne and didn't like it, but then comes to terms with it. And then when he comes back, she's like, no, I'm, I'm in charge now, and mm. you don't get the throne back. And that's kind of how they leave things. There's, there's some other stuff going on. I could talk about the quiet room and stuff like that, but that's, we're going to leave that for a whole other thing. So yeah, those are my those are those are my three picks uh, for the week. I think if you if you want to dive into an ongoing series, it's got a lot of if you want if you want your action and you know your atypical. I want to see if you know so and so could beat so and so. Definitely, Inhumans versus X Men is your title. Sounds like fun. So let's uh, we got a, we have a ton of movies coming out. Um, I th- we're gonna we're gonna review a couple of the ones that have already come out, but I think it's probably 
uh, probably best if we talk about some of the stuff that's coming up. So what are what are you looking 20, forward to seeing? Twenty seventeen is full of superheroes, um, and uh, I'll I'll jump into it. Like the most, the one I'm looking forward to the most is Ragnarok. Thor I Ragnarok. agree. Ragnarok looks like to be the best thing left this year. I, I'm I'm very I'm tentatively optimistic about Spider Man, but Spider Man never grabbed me the same way uh, as you know it grabbed my attention the same way I should say as uh as like thor and other caped heroes um so but i i like that they're finally tying it in to the marvel universe to the to the universe that we already know um and then and that they're not doing it as an origin story so Sp- spider-man homecoming comes out in july but thor is coming out this fall and the trailer has just captured everybody's attention um, it's that it's like it's that perfect trailer I mean, we get those little tastes of what, like, if you're a fan, you know, you're like, oh, that's uh, Planet Hulk, and oh, that, you know, that's the, there's, there's, yeah, there's the Grandmaster. There's little ties to everything, yeah. even, I mean, it's, I, I don't like to, I mean, I, I like to, to watch the trailer when, when I'm forced to, like when I go to the movie theater, <laughs> but I... A lot I, of times I'm forcing you to watch Well, them. you know, and, and when, when it first comes out, I'll watch it once on the internet, but I'm not the kind of person who wants to obsess over every little reveal or like oh could this character die or oh could this character be so-and-so in disguise or um i i I don't i don't want to i just kind of like want to go in and just have fun now because it's clear that the everything the the tone of it takes a a a kind of a shift into a new gear um new director new art style new titles i love the the 80s sort of masters of the universe like titles. i, I, sw- I swear if, if, if you it. go back i mean and, and, and you can do this at home folks if if you go and you watch the trailer for the old 1980s flash gordon yes and the way they introduce yep. the titles onto the screen with that sort of like strobe light um reveal like like um where it just pops out at you thor ragnarok does exactly the same things when they reveal the title at the end where they kind of like have that that strobe light reveal of the title where it just pops up and, and uh, there are like laser outlines of the title as it, as it disappears onto the screen, you know, or as it <laughs> comes out of, uh, out of space just on and focuses on the screen. Exactly seemed, the same thing. And it I seems think, like they yeah. had kind of a similar flavor when they were doing like some of the, the guardians of the galaxy two trailers kind of had that same eighties type feel to well, it they they did you know that's the thing they they've uh, they found a golden goose in, in guardians of the galaxy i'm i am hoping that you know as as the golden goose story goes that they don't cut it open and just you know hope that they can get everything they can out of it because well, we'll go yeah, yeah. i think that we got a couple things we're, we're talking about for guardians. Save that for guardians but, so let's stick to trailers but, so but, but, but yeah. as we're talking about the trailers yeah i don't want them to like say like like with uh, Suicide Squad, where they're like, uh, "Oh yeah, we can make a jukebox movie," you know, with, with superheroes, and um, and it doesn't quite. Or come just out the same way. if you put music to that, that somehow it's going to make it better. Or, that or when, you know, when Deadpool makes a, a zillion dollars at the box office, like, yeah, we can make an R-rated movie where <laughs> people talk about, you know, butts and stuff. Yeah, did. <laughs> Deadpool really was that lightning in a bottle thing. I, I really hope that two doesn't drop the ball because I really want to see a good version of Cable. The all all, all that I get from Deadpool, um, I I'm not a Deadpool fan initially, but I liked the movie because they were true to the source material. They respected the source material and they respected the story. Yeah. It wasn't because they introduced profanity into a superhero movie. It wasn't because it was, you know, 
particularly violent or gruesome. I don't think that's what people go for, but they go for they go to see something that represents the character that they know on screen, and that's yeah. There's that's definitely a got. lot more violent stuff on TV. That's for sure. I well, mean, I I've watched. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So I agree. Homecoming looks like to be one of the better Iron Man movies of the season coming out. <laughs> this this may be a little too much Spider Man in it, but uh, beyond, that's uh, your, I, I kid, yeah, I kid. Yeah. Uh, I, I I'm I, just I, happy to see Robert Downey Jr. I want to see a non mopey Spider Man. I'm happy that you know. And, yes, and I want to see him wisecracking, which we see in like the ATM robbery scene that they show in the trailer. Yeah. That that's what I want to see for Spider Man. I want to see the the you know teenage kid like still coming into his own. Uh, and you know, just the wise, cracky, snarky kind of thing. Yep. And and man, how good does the vault? I mean, the vulture in comics doesn't <laughs> scare me that much, but the co- the battle suit thing that they have in the movie is actually looks basically like I'd be worried about that thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. that's to put me that that's down, one of the best the fixes down. they've you done. Cut yourself, kids. It's like a lot of times you get those costumes that are like worse. For being put into the movie, I, mean, I have a mixed feelings. Like the Green Goblin costume yeah, from the say, first one, very Halloween masky. You know, they tried to incorporate I, the right. I get the armor part of it made sense. It makes more sense than wearing a rubber mask, to be perfectly oh, yeah, honest. Yeah. But then again, you know, to put the uh, Weird Al spin on it, that's just that Power Ranger mask that he wears. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, I don't know. It was just, that was that was iffy for me. And yeah, I mean, I. I didn't even watch, I think, the last Spider-Man movie, the one they had Rhino and... Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't even watch it. Rhino I mean, it was, was in the last five minutes of the movie, so... Yeah, there was <laughs> something about it, just, it wasn't even intriguing enough to, to watch, and I think that was kind of, the, that's the state of affairs for Spider-Man right now, and then we get Homecoming, and I'm watching the trailers, and I'm kind of excited again to see it. It actually looks really good. Uh, it doesn't hurt that they put Robert Downey Jr. in there, and he's as snarky as ever. I'm, I'm um, sure they'll find a reason for him to be like incapacitated and then like have Spider-Man sleep in and save yeah. the day. Which was what I was worried. I was initially worried that's what they were going to do with Avengers. Is like you know like Robert Downey Jr. Whoa, he's too expensive. We can't have him in this movie. So we'll find some reason to kind of like exit him from the movie via some technical malfunction that causes him like okay, no, I'm like my rockets aren't firing. So you go in and save the day, guys. But no, he's he's actually committed to it, and I I'm. I couldn't be happier that you well, know, it's in, he, he, uh, helps, he helps, he's, the, he's part of the glue that, that, that brings that universe together. Yeah, and one of the, actually one of the things I like the most about some of the lead-ins and stuff into Civil War was him taking like Peter Parker as like in a mentor you know, type relationship to the point where at one point in the comics they moved into Stark Tower and he had a job as a, you know, research assistant and had like a lab and everything he wanted to do to work on it was like, and it was one of those things where in the Civil War fashion, you know, Parker gets everything handed to him that he's always wanted and all he has to do is basically sign the dotted line and do everything that, you know, Stark says, which ultimately he doesn't want to do. Uh, which is an interesting turnaround because now it, with the way with you know him having his own company and stuff like that, it's like sort of tempered him to want to do things his own way. But yeah, I mean, Homecoming is just that trip back to the high school era Spider-Man that's still learning his, his way around. And I like the mentor idea for it. Um, Spider-Man's one of those characters, you don't, you don't need to know too much about him to get involved. Uh, I think he's so, um, so iconic. In, in the pop culture knowledge, he sells he sells more toys than Batman does, and that's kind of saying something because Batman sells a lot of toys. That, yeah, always, probably or always A lot will. of toys, a lot of comics, a lot of movies and books and stuff like that. But Spider-Man, 
So I, it's not it's not a property that you have to worry too much about. You know, you're kind of worried about some of the riskier stuff that they do. Um, yeah, I think you're always going to have. I mean, car- if cartoons too. alone are any example, there's always yeah. going to be a market for Spider-Man. I oh, mean, yeah. yeah. The, he's, it's just a character that plays well to a lot of audiences. Um, so, but speaking of interesting properties, so uh, Black Panther, uh, oh. that trailer dropped, and I immediately uh, became intrigued on that one, too. I think it's another well-made trailer to give you a little bit of a glimpse as to what they're doing without giving away too much. Um, I really liked what they did in Civil War with Black Panther in particular. I think the costume was great. Um, it's a good rendition of it. Uh, I think the character was portrayed well. I and mean, I was kind of looking forward to seeing more, you know, Wakanda than we saw in the movie. And so it looks like we're going to get that. Yeah, it's it's a good it's a good point to be introduced to this. I mean, it's it's kind of like a a soft reveal of the Black Panther. Um, what we don't get from his introduction is how did he get superpowered? Um, you know what? What exactly is Wakanda? Well, you know how how um, how important is it to the Marvel universe? Um, although there have been well to the cinematic universe, the cinematic anyway. Universe, yeah, we've known that. Yeah. You know, if, if, in the comic side of it, we've known that Wakanda is like a super important. Uh, I find I always found it ironic that the most like technologically advanced wealthiest nation uh considered one of the most progressive nations within the comics hierarchy is wakanda it's considered like you know an upper tier civilization um which nobody knows anything about because they're so xenophobic that they don't go beyond their borders and yeah nobody's welcome in and we even put a fake country up for you so that you don't really know how deep it goes right but, Almost like the like like lost, right? You know, like, <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah, like uh, it's not this as village of shipwreck people. It's actually, you know, there's an elevator that goes down and ooh, stuff happens. So. And then yeah, and then the intriguing part uh, is that of course Wakanda is like the sort as we, as we learn in um, in the cinematic universe in Age of Ultron, uh, we learn that it's the source of you know, vibranium and vibranium is sort of the like on par with adamantium. And it's like that, you know, the, Fictitious the metal magic metals the, of, yeah. uh, you know, the Marvel universe that, uh, well, are they're super rare. And yet every superhero has something made out of it. What, or, what comic book fans will pick up on uh, and what casual viewers might go, huh? Is, uh, like the scene where he scratches Captain America's shield and nothing's supposed to be able to dent that shield. But Black Panther's claws actually leave a mark in it. And that's because Black Panther's claws are made of vibranium as well, too. So it's when vibranium meets vibranium. Well, they, make, they mentioned in the original, like, first Avenger movie that it's a vibranium-adamantium alloy, right? I don't think they mentioned the word adamantium because that's, that's kind of a Marvel thing. Uh, or a mutant, yeah. Marvel mutant thing. All right. So uh, they, but they say it's, a, it's a, they say it's rare and it's okay. pretty much what, what, what Cap's shield is made of amounts to as much as as right. the regular world has obtained. It, well, and what like you said, what makes it indestructible, it but it can still be harmed by the same kind of metal, which right. is basically what his claws and stuff are made yeah. out of. Uh, so yeah, I mean that one is intriguing. I think in a, in and of its own way, it's going to be just as important of a movie that I just hope for a success the same as Wonder Woman. Um, it's, it's an interesting time, and I there. 
and I think we'll, we'll we'll delve into Wonder Woman a little bit here too because yeah there there's these landmark movies coming out that they they uh, they're they're intended to kind of make a difference and sort of change the uh, the take on um, what superhero movies should be um, they have uh, they've really raised the bar um, for uh, for what we want out of a out of a superhero movie and I. I really hope they do it justice. I'm 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 eager to see what the what they have in stock for for that. Funny you should mention justice. Uh-huh. Uh Justice League what a also. Let's yeah. Let's just switch gears to DC. Uh, so Justice League's on the way. Um, the we've got a couple of trailers out yeah. for that one. Um, I know. Uh, visually, I I'm kind of I'm starting to get into the whole Zack Snyder like viewpoint for it i'm not gonna say it's the best way to look at it but yeah. in seeing and we're and again we're gonna talk a little bit about wonder woman but in seeing that you can still scope it in sort of that dark format but it can still be hopeful um it, i'm starting to see a little bit more of the fun play out and less of the darkness that we see in batman versus superman and well, you know that kind of stuff is maybe we're gonna see a little bit of a tempering of that. They they have to I guess they they're, they're gonna try and stick to what they've already sco- you know set the tone for. But um, th- there's a couple of things that have happened um, in the past couple months that really make me question what the future of DCU is and whether I will enjoy it as much. Um, and one of those things is that Wonder Woman came out. And, and succeeded. And, su- and and continues to succeed. It is um, it is a it is a beautiful movie. It is an emotional movie and I um, I enjoy the heck out of it. If, if you I am wearing my Wonder Woman hat instead of my uh, <laughs> traditional Captain America hat because uh, it just it's just one of those ones where um, you love it, you know. It is um, it's something else, but the other part of that, the second thing that happened also, is that Zack Snyder tragically had to step away from the helm of the Justice League movie, and um, Joss Whedon, who directed the first two Marvel Avengers movies, stepped on to cover editing and to cover reshoots. And Joss Whedon, whatever your gripe may be about him, but he knows how to tell a story with a lot of people in it. And that was the one thing that I was very, very, very tentatively, you know, afraid of with the the Justice League movie is they wouldn't they wouldn't figure out who their main character was. They, they, yeah, too many moving parts. There's there's, there's yeah. too many characters that haven't been introduced already. You know, uh, Cyborg, Aquaman, Flash didn't get their own movie introductions. Um, so how are they going to introduce three characters and and still tell a coherent, fun, engaging story? Or is it just going to be another Suicide Squad where they just like throw a bunch of things in a pot and have explosions and be like, yay, it's, yeah, our, it's our movie. It's the danger of they're kind of doing it in reverse. I mean, the Marvel kind of, I think part of the success to Avengers was leading into it with Iron Man and first avenger they, captain america and thor they had that that breathing room to kind of like establish some of those characters i mean i i, I am disappointed they kind of like bypassed hawkeye and black widow 
But that's a story for another time. Here's hoping. Maybe yeah. we'll still see something I, for them. Uh, I actually, I mean, I think Marvel, time, I think Marvel missed the boat entirely in that we could have seen a Black Widow movie and they definitely could have been the first one out of the gate with a strong female lead and a decent movie. Because don't give me, okay, Joss Whedon doing a Black Widow movie would have been as close to perfection as we're probably going to get. He so. loves his female characters, strong female characters. He's, you said, he tells a story well. I try avoid using that term, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the female characters, boom. Um, being being a good female character is what makes them strong. Um, but not the, uh, I guess, strong, okay. the powerful. I hear sense, you but, saying. I yeah. think I, I take the strong female character as like the character that, in essence, can lead as opposed to females in a lot of set. Like, take like Jane Foster from Thor. Mm hmm. You know, we, I wouldn't necessarily equate her as the strongest female character because she is sort of a side note to, like, the greater Thor story. Mm. Uh, he, he, Lois Lane to Superman. You know, there are elements where if the story's written correctly, yes, yes, yes. they could be the strong female lead, but traditionally that doesn't always take, mm. you know, place. And... You know, Black Widow, there's so many good stories with just her solo. Um, oh, sure. You know, but then, you know, not to put too fine a point of it, uh, they led us down that road of, you know, whatever happened in Budapest, and we <laughs> should have got that story by now, I think. But, well, um, here's the thing. I think, you know, they, I, for whatever reason, Fate and the, uh, the studio aside, that Wonder Woman kind of stepped into her rightful place as... Um, the uh, one of the, the leading um, female action heroes um, to have her own solo movie, and uh, it's it's a historic thing, and it um, it it continues to impress. I've seen it three times now. Well, and I'm, e- I'm, you know, each time I find a different emotional right. I'm, note to hit. I'm just know? glad to see it done to be done, and you know, to DC's credit, um, it was at exactly the right time they needed it because yes. they're they just hadn't had a whole lot of success in this field, and now uh, it seems like it's on the turn. Because like when I was seeing things for Justice League, I'm like, eh, you yeah. know, and then I go see Wonder Woman, and then I'm like, eh, well, you know, now I'm a little there. excited yeah. for. Uh, uh, I mean, they're, I kind of like their rendition of Aquaman. I think it's interesting that they're... It's a different take. Yeah. It is. Although I've noticed uh, recently the artwork is they've momoified uh, Aquaman a little bit. He's got a, more of a bit long, shaggy mane of golden hair instead of his momoified shortcut those, and a beard. I'm going to trademark that, momoified. momoified. I'm taking that right now because I... Pretty sure that's going to get used by somebody in the future. But I hashtag think... Hashtag momoified. Hashtag <laughs> I, I, there are it's definitely we're seeing some of like movies definitely in the marvel side the movies are influencing the comics and comics of course are the seed for the you know the movies and stuff like that um you know justice league tends to you, i can i can watch the trailer and knowing like the story that they have told i think probably three times now um, which I'm not even going to throw it out there because it might be spoilerific, but yeah, you can see it and go, okay, I know what story they're doing. I know which, you know, what threat the justice League's going to be gathering for. Um, I like the idea behind it. There's still a ton of stuff that throws me off. That flash costume looks a little too armored for me. <laughs> um, I'm not even sure how all those things stay on when he's running at super speeds. Um, 
I don't know. Cyborg is cyborg looks like he could be better. That's a, maybe a little too CGI for if it, me. If it were my movie to make, I think I would make it a movie that is told from the viewpoint of Cyborg. Actually, that would be a great idea. Uh, yeah. You should probably be writing. Maybe you should be <laughs> writing for them. I think you know just because because we've we've already we've already met Superman, we've already met Batman, we've already met Wonder Woman. Uh, but Cyborg is, I mean, in in part, this is going to be Cyborg's origin story. Which We're, and it's odd because he's you know traditionally more. Teen Titans, yeah, and you know that's we've got my son included sees that and goes, he goes like, what's he doing on Justice League? He's used to seeing him like saying that. booyah on uh, Teen Titans. Yeah. <laughs> it's like not I'm, the same guy that you're looking be really at. Disappointed if they ever get a Starfire. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, that's a different story. <laughs> um, no, yeah. It, it, it's it's one of those characters. I mean, because you could you could do the same thing with like Flash, where he can be, he can be a teenager or he could be an adult or um, or Robin, you know, or if they ever get around to introducing like Nightwing as a character. Yeah. Perhaps. The Flash is such a volatile subject too, because this is like the oh, this is the first time. Well, and we've seen. I mean, let like it or not. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people's uh, opinions is going to be formed of watching the CW TV series. Which it's has yeah, it's super popular. I think that uh, Gustin's done an amazing job playing Barry Allen, mm-hmm. and then it's like, but not enough to make the movies apparently. But you know that it is what it is. Yeah, it, yeah, it just different different properties. But it's yeah, it just seems I don't know. I, I yeah, it's a hard road. That's a hard road to go down. I and I'd rather see Gustin available to do the TV series and not locked into movies and stuff like that, or burning himself out trying to do too many things at once. Uh, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like we don't need, you know, I would, I love Stephen Amell in Arrow, but I don't need to see Green Arrow in Justice League. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not a necessary, well, <laughs> all right. Not a necessary component at this point yet. But yeah, that's, I think I agree with you. If you're going to take, like, sort of the new character to the Justice League, which Cyborg very much is, perfect narrative. Like, go everything from his eyes, kind of seeing his meeting the characters as their introductions, you know, kind of thing. Um, it sounds a bit more, if I'm picking up what I've seen for the trailer, it's a bit more of Batman's collecting all of these superhumans is going to be more of the introduction side of That's it. That's where I was worried about, like, this is going to be a jumble of a movie where we're trying to introduce too many characters and they're trying to give them all their hero moments and trying to give them equal amount of stuff to do. Um, which is why Avengers comes off, I think, is like one of the best team-up movies because everybody is given equal parts. Uh, you know, if, if, if one character falls short, it's probably Hawkeye because they turn him into a bad guy for a good portion of the movie. Yeah. And but, but, they, but, they give, they, but they redeem him in the end. You're, and you're right. It worked because we don't need... We know Thor and Loki from the movie. We know Already Iron Man. We know Already Captain... Yeah, we yeah. know all of these characters. We know Nick Fury is like the unifying body behind all of it. Uh, you know, this is... It, it, all that... All of those blueprints had been set up beforehand and it's like again like i said this is the opposite direction it's yeah. like we know batman because we've seen really good renditions of batman and we okay we know superman but that's a little jumbly because we've got sort of our uh superman returns man of steel you know all these different variables they, that we've got they, played they, in they there and, established him even well but, even 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 the second superman movie was really more of a batman movie Right, but it, on the plus side, now we've got Wonder Woman, and we yes. have a singular character, first time out. We saw a little bit of her in 
you know, just enough to show us what was coming in Batman versus Superman, uh, but not tarnished by previous appearances, unless you want to count Linda Carter. But I think that's far enough back. We probably don't need to worry about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, well, so we we're have. Not counting Bill Bixby as Hulk. <laughs> I still count Bill Bixby as the Hulk. I'm not saying saying. we should disregard Bill Bixby as Hulk. I'm just saying. But yeah, trailer wise, it's a different world. Lots of good stuff to look forward this year. Um, TV's got some interesting stuff coming on too. I mean, going back to your Black Bolt number one, uh, we've got a little bit of a spinoff from Shield. So Inhumans is coming out. Well, all the Marvel stuff ties to get most of the Marvel stuff ties together. They I try guess. their so best. They, they, they try their best to tie it together. Most of the Marvel stuff, and they're initially when when the lineup of Marvel movies was announced, Inhumans was one of the movies that was coming. Right. And for whatever reason, tactical readjust, you know, reevaluate. Um, they removed it from the from the lineup because they had introduced uh, Daisy. And other inhuman aspects into the Agents of Se- Agents of Shield television series. So, I guess there was that sort of like, how are we going to introduce this whole notion of the royal family of Inhumans and the the lost city of Adalan and um, and all of that that mythology into it? And uh, it looks like it looks like they're going to take a swing at it this fall. Well, I mean, I, I'm a little bit hopeful for it. Um, I believe a lot of these series are as good as their villains, and they cast the uh, super creepy... Um, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. He was um, in Game of Thrones, the guy with the dogs. Oh. And, uh, so he's playing yeah. Maximus the Mad. Uh, great name for a villain. Is it, it's that... Um... Let's say Ewan Reese or something like that. Anyway, uh, you'll know him when you see him. In fact, you all you have to do is listen to the trailer, which has absolutely evil, nothing evil but guy with an English accent. actually so. nothing but like a voiceover of him uh, saying about how no, this isn't a revolution for this is this is for freedom, and you know, like it's just that oily, you know, villainous voice that he projects so well. And when I saw that he's being cast as Maximus, I was like, oh, that. Perfect, absolutely perfect. Uh, the Maximus rest of the Mad? Maximus the Mad. Um, that is, yeah, he's kind of a cornerstone. He's uh, Black Bolt's brother. Mm-hmm. Um, his ability is generally more. I think it's sort of alluded. He has sort of mental enough, sort of low level telepathic abilities. He's been able to control people in the past, like where this, like you want to call it through hypnosis or something stuff like that. Also, like all, one of those hyper geniuses, like a Reed Richards type character, at the same time. So he's mm-hmm. usually a lot of the crazy technology and stuff that they use is something that he built. The Terrigen bomb was uh, an item that he built. You know that kind of stuff is all sort of. Anyway, I'm looking I'm, forward to seeing how they're going to place that off. Um, it's I, strange going into it with not really any kind of. It's like sight unseen on the characters. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I am super excited to see Lockjaw in a television series. Yeah, when I heard that they were gonna do that, I was like, okay, well, at least they're gonna they're gonna t- they're gonna take it that far. They're really committing to it. Yeah, I mean, and I'll I'll let the, I'll let that be. You know, Google. Lo- well, don't Google Lockjaw. You can if you want. You go, yeah. Um, don't spoil it for yourself if you don't want to. But uh, but Lockjaw is is uh, one of those one uh, of the more unique one characters. of the more unique characters. The other part is. Um, I I fear for how they're going to do Medusa. Yeah, it's, it's a, that's another strange power to yeah. showcase on. You know, imagine 
you know, the, I, I'm trying to think of like in um, <laughs> in the Cartoon Network, uh, the Powerpuff Girls had a villain named Sedusa, whose power was her hair, and basically her hair kind of acts as little whips and claws, and 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 they've done this in video games, and they've done it in you know cartoons, but like, how are we going to make hair be a superpower? <laughs> In, yeah. in a television series, you know, because that's a lot of CGI, folks. Um, and I suspect she's going to be, I, I mean, you know, being television and being the budget it is, she's not going to be depicted as she is in the comics with just this endlessly long Rapunzel-esque mane of, of red hair. I think she's just going to be like normal looking woman. And then there's going to be times where it just goes... There, like that lashes out. I don't know. They could they could use the unif the uniform Marvel MacGuffin of extra extra dimensional mass, nah. uh, which is like how Bruce Banner gets bigger when he's the Hulk because he takes on extra dimensional mass, and Ant Man gets bigger because he takes on extra dimensional mass. Uh, so her hair, in properly clean, takes on extra dimensional mass. I, I don't know. It's gonna be why not. Uh, yeah, I'm, that's going to be a tough one. Um, the other tough thing I think they're going to have is, I mean, Black Bolt himself, you got to get someone who can portray some kind of gravitas without speaking a word. Yeah. Uh, so how they're going to pull that one off, that's going to be interesting I to watch, too. it was too. interesting because there was initially this rumor, once, um... Uh, Vin Diesel, who has a pretty big social... He really wanted to play the part. Like, that was the one he spoke out on wanting to do. Big social media presence, and he uh, he took a picture of himself at Marvel Studios in front of the Inhumans poster. Mm -hmm. Um, Back when he was brought in, I I guess that that discussion that he was brought in for was to be the voice of Groot. Or it ended up that way. Or that's that's what they they gave him. But, um, But, yeah, I mean, like, I think physically... Yeah, Vin Diesel could certainly pull off a Black Bolt type um, character. Doesn't have to speak much. I mean, like you look at his his characters like Riddick. Uh, yeah, I or, mean, yeah, or I, the Iron Giant. It wouldn't be, yeah, it wouldn't necessarily be a, a, a bad, you know, fit per se. It's just like I, whoever they cast is is gonna have to pull off an awful lot through facial yeah. expression and stuff like that. Um, I think more akin to, um, oh. Trying to remember the guy's name that just did Dread recently. Oh, uh, uh, plays Doctor McCoy in the new Star Trek reboots. Yeah, and uh, writers of Rohan. Yeah, well, they said that basically the the hardest part of doing Dread was that he had to act from the nose down, right? Uh, because he never took the helmet off, and there's like you don't get any eyes or anything. It's like everything, all of his facial expression stuff he had to get across was like from his jaw. You know, kind of thing, and, and I think that's kind of the same thing we're going to need to see out of this to make it work. But um, I don't know. a little bit more leeway. I think. I mean, Shield is Shield's done pretty good. Uh, I think the last season was actually pretty great in a lot of ways. Um, so if they can play up and the writers can kind of keep that pace, I think they might have something pretty good. But you know, like a lot of things, time will tell. Uh, the pilot will make or break it, and. Yeah. We'll see if they get... I mean, not everything Marvel does is a winner, unfortunately, and uh, although there will be fans who will love it, and there will be fans who will cry, you know, bloody havoc, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I still want them to bring back Agent Carter, man. Well, never say never. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I was gonna, we have a couple of other things on the list, but I think we should probably move right into some reviewing some movies that are out. Sure. Um, so, Guardians of the Galaxy two, uh, that was kind of on the horizon when we last recorded, and it's sort of coming almost. Reboot. I won't say come and gone. I think it's still in the theater at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's still it's still out there. You can still get tickets. So, as the uh, more of the uh, Guardians fan than I am, what was your take on it? How did you how did you um, feel about it? As good as, if not better than the first one, and uh, definitely, definitely has some uh, emotional punches um, to pull. Um, punches to pull is that the right? Is that the right uh, phrase? Uh, I know where you're no, going with it. <laughs> I, it, it has it has some some emotional um, highs and lows. There's a bit, yeah. yeah. There are a bit more emotional connections to some pieces than we got out of the first one. But but does I mean as, as I think we had talked about uh, off microphone, um, does take some liberties with the uh, the original mythology uh, as yeah. preset. You I'm know? gonna bite my I, lip a well, little bit on that. And <laughs> I have a I have a friend um, who. Um, is a huge Marvel fan, um, as my friends tend to be, <laughs> and she um, she Im- immediately like I was I was really looking forward to her kind of like just having a ball and watching this movie. And the first thing she posted on Facebook uh, after seeing the movie was this this all caps sort of like he's not a celestial, <laughs> and I'm like is really you know like. Do we have to quibble this I mean, point? Yeah, granted, I'm a, I, I have been known to be a bit of a Marvel nitpicker, and I can let that one go. Uh, I, Please, let it go. I can't. I mean, I can, I can absorb the idea that maybe, as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe is concerned, that all higher beings are celestials. Why not? Great. I, yeah. I can go with that. Totally okay with that. So, we'll, yeah, we can let that one go. But I do understand Otherwise, a lot of we people work just... pretty well. Otherwise, we just have to lose our audience as we bore them with the story. Right. Of, you know. But the very least, uh, yeah. all right, I'm, I'm going to go down this road. At the very least, if you're going to talk celestials in the first one and show an actual celestial like we've seen in the comics, mm-hmm. um, and hinted at in the movie, the don't yeah, don't go throw a bunch of other things and lump them into the same thing. Uh, but okay, I'm done. We're okay, gonna no, that's it. that's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, happy to. You know, I, he's doing an interesting thing, I think, with the character of Groot as well, too, as we see him in the in the stages of life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that that'll be it'll be an interesting third movie that we we get. I I wonder if he will be well. He I, I think the next time we see him, hopefully, hopefully we see him in the third Avengers movie. Because uh, I think that's kind of a foregone conclusion that yeah. like everybody's in infinity war basically yeah but i think the only question mark is the netflix cinematic stuff of whether they're showing up or not like your daredevil luke cage i i've heard yes I and have, no I either have way on, i have so. it on a pretty good i, I mean like a, a fairly good authority that you know there's there's a there's a good good chance that there's going to be even some hint of that i think in the new agents of shield which would be great. I, you know, I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is, is going to have, like, a crossover with some of the Netflix stuff. I mean, Infinity War is all hands on deck, so yeah. I want to see everybody. So, I, 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 feel, I feel like there's, there's you know, it, it will amount to a, a large series of glorified cameos. But, I mean, but, that's but they basically will, what Infinity War was. But, it, so. but Infinity War will have <laughs> folks on it. And I, I am just, I, I want to see... 
Captain America and Rocket Raccoon in the same film. Uh, which, you know? yeah, again, sounds like sounds it's, like you're going to get like your this, wish. There. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really hopeful. So if we see Teenage Groot show up in um, <laughs> in uh, Avengers 3, yeah, that'll be interesting. Well, he probably won't show up. He'll just stay in his room playing video uh, games. Cause... You know, like, <laughs> like, hey, Groot, we got to go get this uh, Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> I am Groot. <laughs> Uh, Clean up well, after yourself. So yeah, you, yeah. you uh, so you liked it overall. I thought there was some mo- any emotional some emotional points in there. You could... I did like it, and I was ready to call it my favorite movie of the summer until I saw Wonder Woman. Yeah, I think we can you know, both safely agree on that. Um, you know, for my take, I, Guardians. Okay, I liked it the, from a cinematic experience. It was a fantastic movie, uh, and I want everything I say after this to be flavored by that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is a good movie. Uh, I like the first one better. Okay. Um, but because I think the first one played as a adventure, it was this swashbuckling adventure uh, and uh, an origin story all wrapped up nicely in a little bow and presented to me, and it was great. Uh, and then um, we get to two, and it there was there's a lot going on in it. We've got. You know, Star Lord and Gamora with this "Are we, aren't we?" thing. Yeah. We've got all of a sudden Drax is like comedic backup and <laughs> is cracking jokes and stuff left and right. And we've Wait, got I Baby Groot. Get humor. And uh, you know, there's there's a lot going on. And for the most part, it, I'll give him credit. For the most part, it worked really, really well. Um, the things I liked actually were probably because I'm a Marvel nitpicker. I loved seeing the original Guardians showcased in there yes uh we get to see you know starhawk and mm-hmm. and martin x Such and charlie 27 and you know all these cool characters yeah. that i remember from the guardians in a way it's like i kind of got a little bit of what i wanted and you got to see your guardians and I'm interested and in, yeah. uh but for me i think that were the biggest things as i liked kind of okay spoilers the whole redemption of yondu thing was Okay. Amazing for me. Uh, yes. I love Michael Rooker. Uh, <laughs> I think that his portrayal of the character was amazing, and he got to play two sides of the same person. Where at the first one we got to see the unapologetic space pirate, mm. and then in the second one we see the almost the "What have I done with my life?" Repentance uh, kind of Yondu, and instead of wallowing in self pity, he goes out and does something about it. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and in doing so, we get you know some moments with Rocket and stuff like that, where he even learns a little bit about himself and maybe comes to terms. Well, he's the with... guy who kind of like smacks Rocket and says, you know, wake up and stop feeling sorry for yourself, right. you know, because because Rocket's kind of on this self destructive path of like, I'm just gonna be a jerk to everybody and push everybody away, and it it may not play like that, but it, it that's that's definitely what I think the undercurrent of it is. I mean, right. you know. Like, because everybody's like, oh, Rocket, he's gonna he's gonna stick around, but but Rocket really just does, um, isn't sure what to do with himself. He's he and and Groot in this movie have kind of switched places, whereas Groot was sort of the muscle, and or the protector, the protector. You know, like you know, Rocket could pretty much get away with whatever he wanted because Groot was gonna come along and lift some alien up by the nose and say, Mirror. right, or Groot. But um, but now Rocket's put in that position where he has to kind of be. Groot's caretaker, and, um, but is also just unsure of his place 
I think, you know. He, well, there's just, yeah, there's that moment where, for all intents and purposes, it looks like, you know, of all people, Rocket's ready to just give up. And he's like, yeah, whatever, we're done. Yeah. And then Yondu's like, no, that's crap. We're both getting out of here. Uh, you know, and he gets his fin back, and, you know, we've got everything I wanted out of, you know, what we didn't see in the first see one. Yondu in the fin. Uh, and, you know, that allowed me to give them a, give them a pass on the whole celestial thing. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, and, and I took the, you know, I took my kids to see it and I just it loved watching them crack up and laugh on the hyperspace scene where they're all, all they do is show Blacked them all distorted. Yeah. And, uh, they thought that was the funniest thing yeah. ever. And like the first one, I was like, okay, that's pretty funny. And the second time, I'm just laughing because my kids are laughing, even though it's the same. I heard a lot of people complain that that scene was overdone. Uh, I'm looking at it as like, you know what? If entertainment is entertainment, that's sure, how you look not? at it. Um, yeah, I think it, I think it was well done. I think that they, I don't know, the first one is such a great. You know, they talk about capturing lightning in a bottle, and I think that first one did such a good job of it that. Uh, the second one was going to be hard to line up, and I think it lined up pretty well. But I would have to say the first one edged out the second one just slightly. Mm, yeah, I, I mean, and there's always something for like you know being the first at doing its thing too, because this, the second is kind of like, okay, we we've been on this ride before. How is it going to be better? Maybe we're challenging it. But I, you know, the the interesting thing is I being as big a fan of like soundtracks and music. Um, for films and of all kinds, but but superhero films in particular, um, I always kind of like like to listen to the music beforehand and see if it kind of plays to the movie in my head that I film and see you know see how it plays out. And when uh, when they released the Guardians of the Galaxy two soundtrack, I got choked up immediately just listening to the songs because I kind of already heard the story being played out. Mm. You know, there there are key points in that soundtrack. Um, the, uh, I mean, Brandy, of course, of being course. the big one. And I'm like, you, you listen to it, like, I, I knew exactly where they were going with that. You know, Brandy is uh, Peter's mom. Right, and who doesn't like Brandy with the uh, CGI Kurt Russell? <laughs> well, it was a great moment. And the, the, I mean, like, I heard people, like, I, I, whatever an audible smile is, I could hear people smiling all over the theater. I mean, it wasn't quite laughing and it wasn't quite clapping. But it was kind of like everybody breathing that kind of, ah, you know, just knowing where they were going with, like, CGI. And it, and it wasn't as bad as, like, CGI Jeff Bridges and Tron. It was, it was like... Oh, it was actually not too bad. It was, it, was, it was pretty good. It was pretty good to see Kurt Russell in his sort of 1970s heyday. Um, uh, well, at least without an eye, no snake plissken. No, no, sa- eye no patch, snake plissken, but, but yeah. <laughs> but, um... But yeah, I mean, I, I could I could tell I could tell where the story was going just by the songs that he had chosen to go into that soundtrack, and by the time they get to um, Cat Stevens' uh, father and son, I'm like, oh my god, you know, like they're 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 gonna try this, they're actually gonna try this, um, and and the movie was still able to surprise me, regardless of that. I wasn't I'm not gonna say I you know was able to read the whole movie through the soundtrack because it still managed to like throw some some surprises at me. But I, I could see what they were doing. Now, there's a point in the middle of the movie there where Kurt Russell spells it out and says, I am that sailor, and your mom was Brandy. And, and it's like, wait a second, you didn't need to do that. You know, like, I, right. like just, just let were, it be. Yeah, <laughs> and there, there's, a, there's a few moments in there, like uh, the, the whole diorama scene where it's like he's explaining it, and they're showing us in this flower pod thing yeah. at the same time. It's These like... Little, 
one or the other, you know. <laughs> so, so you're saying he retained the same form as he traveled around? He was just basically Captain Kirk, right. alien spaceman horror kind of thing? Well, if anyone's going to pull off Captain Kirk, it'd probably be Kurt Russell. So. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you could be Captain Kirk or Kurt Russell in the 1970s hairdo. Yeah, I, overall, I think they did a great job. I'm looking yes. forward to the third take on it. Um, we know that they're, uh, that they're all showing up in... Infinity, Infinity War. War, so we've got that going for us too. Um, but one more movie we've got that we've made multiple references to, and probably as great as Guardians was, probably a much more important piece to talk about would be Wonder Woman. Um, I how do you even start with this one? Uh, this is a. I mean, I remember when I was when I was younger, and this is going to date myself a little bit. I watched Linda Carter Wonder Woman on TV. And that not in a sense it was syndicated. I was watching it. No, yeah, uh, as it was broadcast. Weekly, yes, I, I remember. Uh, and it was it was great. I remember. I, it's this most of the stuff I know is from that, which arguably is not the best reference for it. But um, you know, still, this was an interesting one to go into because visually you're seeing a lot of the same stuff that you would expect from if if you've just been fed media versions of, you know. Of Wonder Woman, like you've seen Linda Carter and you've seen, uh, there. And yeah. Granted, okay, and yeah. I I gotta take this a step back to you because uh, I'm a huge fan of Justice League Unlimited, the the Bruce oh, yeah. Tim cartoon, and that delved a bit more. You get to see a bit more of the Wonder Woman mythology and stuff in there too. So I I knew more about it going into it than, than I guess I've been letting on that last story. Uh, but you know, for me, this was one where it's the first time that probably my wife and I were equally excited for a movie to come out for mm-hmm. lots of different reasons. Um, I always like to see a comic book well rendered into a movie. To me, that's every one of those is a, is a success story, uh, and it means we'll get more of the same. Um, but anytime I can enjoy the same thing with my family or my wife or whatever at the same level makes it that much more of a plus. And this was easily that, and then some. Um, I was very impressed with how they turned a period piece, uh, even more so than First Avenger. I mean, First Avenger did a great job of portraying some World War II aspects, stuff like that, while taking some levity and you know putting their own thing into it. And with this one, trying to showcase everything against the backdrop of World War One, which is a horrific war, realistically. Um, I think is a testament to. I think they did a great job. Um, World War Two was the fun one. Uh, sure, I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, no, that was no, not yeah, the fun but, one. But I mean, if you're comparing trench warfare to understood. you know some of that, yeah, I know, I know. we're we're not we're not downplaying wars. Right? No. <laughs> no, there are no good wars. Only I mean, only the Star Wars trilogy, right? Uh, but coming from you know, Themyscira mm-hmm. to you know, World, you know, London, World War One, Europe. You know, it they they did a great job playing everything out. It was one of those movies that was two and a half hours. I didn't realize it mm-hmm. uh, until we got out. Um, but from an importance factor, we've talked about this both on and off mic about how important of a movie this is for really getting out of the gate as our first well written, uh, you know, leading female superhero. Absolutely. Uh, in and of herself, it's just her own story, not as part of a team or as part of. Stand you know, alone. this is standalone, her story, yeah. um, and it totally owned it. Um, I, 
again, I'm going to say the same thing I said with Guardians. I absolutely love the movie. Uh, I do not think it could have been done any better. Uh, that being said, I think the only the only issue I might have had is that um, you know, as a literature major, when you hear Amazonian, you kind of have certain pictures in your mind. Uh, and when Robin Wright was a bit more Amazonian than our <laughs> than our Amazon well, uh, lead, uh, that was I don't know. I mean, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, Gal Gadot did a, a great job. She's uh, obviously super easy on the eyes. Uh, it's just it was one of those things where I I don't know. It, in a perfect world, maybe you know I would have Gal Gadot want to see someone a little more yeah. statuesque. Uh. Yeah, well, visually. you know, there, there's, there's the fans who are like, well, Lucy Lawless, you know, could have been maybe, Wonder Woman. And, and, and yes and no. And I don't I mean, think she could have pulled off the acting as well. I, I love Lucy Lawless. Don't get oh, me no, wrong. No. Uh, and I think that's where Gal Gadot shined is that she did an exemplary job portraying the two characters. Right. Uh, well, Lucy Lawless is a Wonder Woman for a different age. I mean, I true. mean, and I, Had I, they filmed I, it ten I don't, years I don't ago. Mean like, yeah. Just. Uh, she was the voice of Wonder Woman in the um, the New Frontier animated, yes, um, and did a fantastic job there. Um, but I, this this was kind of like portraying the young uh, the young Diana uh, as she as she reaches into the world for the first time. But also, it's like the timeless Diana too. I mean, she True. does that yeah. age from like a certain point. Unexplained, but not important. Also, you know, like uh, hand wave. Well, but all of the all the Amazons are like that. I'm sure it's it's magic. Uh, it's, it's a good MacGuffin Amazonian, to explain yeah. it off. Yeah, blah blah blah. <laughs> um, but okay, so uh, back to your point of like like Captain America: The First Avenger was a fantastic superhero movie to me, and it really. Um, it it really opened up my mind to the possibility of what what Captain America could be in 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 films going forward. Um, that in in the past I'd only seen you know, like cheesy versions of most superheroes, but Iron Man started the trend, and then Thor came along, and then then finally Captain America, and I was like, whoa! Now Captain America was a timepiece movie. I mean, it was told in fla- it, it was told it, in flashback. It kind of had to be though. I mean, exactly. No, I don't think you can you can have Captain America and do the whole frozen and ice and like start there and say we just pulled this guy out of the ice and say well, you could, but you'd, gonna... you'd end up with like the the nineteen nineties Captain America, which was not good. Don't go see it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you would. Um, they they basically didn't feel the need to immediately pull him into the future. They wanted to take the time. And tell the Captain America story in World War Two, and because they got Joe Johnston, who does this thing fantastic, like when, when he did like the Rocketeer, um, he kind of he kind of tells it as a timepiece movie, so it has a kind of flavor. It's almost done as a like a World War Two film with with um, a uh, a pre uh, pre Vietnam kind of non cynicalness. You know, it's a it's it's a movie that kind of wears its heart on its sleeve, and is is told sort of in a almost almost like a um, a propaganda film. Yeah, I mean, it's in like, a way. I mean, again, yeah. So yeah. not to say that there are any there are good wars, but like World War Two is in in essence the last war with honor. 
you know, like there was an honor to the fighting, and well, there was honor and brotherhood, and well, you know, and a lot a, of that it's a non, vanished. The, like the like a, the non cynical war. You yeah, know? a yeah. lot of that vanished in the Vietnam era. And, yes. But that's also the start. Well, we're gonna do a whole. I bet we're gonna do a whole other thing on the you know how Vietnam influenced you know characters like the Punisher and stuff like that. But down the road, yeah. The you're right. That story had to be told uh, if you so, really want to play up the man out of time. Yeah, which is a big aspect of Steve Rogers. Absolutely, um, you kind of have to do this Continue. story, and they did it well. But I was worried that that Wonder Woman was going to kind of try and ape that a little bit. So I went in sort of like biting my lip about like what are they going to do here, and it 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 didn't it. And then and then five minutes in the movie, I wasn't even thinking of it. When I heard I. I had heard some stuff specifically that part of the reason they chose World War One was to not run up against that trope. And in a way, whereas World War Two is a key factor for Captain America, it mm. does not necessarily have to be a key factor for Wonder Woman. Mm. It's not going to matter if it's World War One or World War Two. No. Uh, that wouldn't have changed a thing. So they were really smart in picking World War One to avoid collision with that particular trope. Uh, and it led into, I mean, quite personally, uh, it, had they done World War II, we wouldn't have got the No Man's Land scene, which mm. to me was the most powerful one that they did in one the movie. Of the, one of the best superhero moments in the last ten years is just this moment where she she, she suddenly, uh, and, I, and I, I, I wrote a, a post about this on my, on my Facebook page where it's just, you know, it, it's the No Man's sequence that just makes your eyes water. Because the whole movie, no matter, you know, men, women alike have been telling Diana, no, stop, don't, stay here, don't go there, um, don't do the thing. Um, and she finally just says, it's what I'm going to do. And, and nobody can say anything again. And she just, she just jumps out and does it. And it's, it's a fantastic, fantastic moment. Um, and to bring it kind of into, you know, there, there was that moment where I kind of had to say, I'm watching this, you know, at this time, I'm watching this in 2017 and it's, it's a movie that's, that's been made and that millions of people are going to go see this and they have to step out of the movie theater when the movie theater's over, when, when the movie's over and realize that they're still, they're still fighting these wars. They're still fighting these, these challenges that that women have where they're being told no stop you don't matter you know be quiet while the men talk kind of thing and that's that's what gets me a lot about that movie um is uh that it's it's a powerful story but it but it um but it hits me as as important um at this time to to for this movie to exist and i only hope that it means better things um, in storytelling going forward, uh, better things for superhero movies going forward. Um, I think it really it really sets a high bar for what comes next. It was, yeah, the conversation I had uh, with my wife on the way out was like, this basically, this is going to make it extra hard for Marvel to pull off um, Captain Marvel. Well, uh, it, but I I don't even want to I don't I, I you know honestly I don't want to. To, to to compare Marvels and DCs, you know, because like 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 you said, any superhero movie is a win, right? If it's done well. Um, <laughs> hello, kitty. <laughs> Special guest appearance. <laughs> um, 
So, um, yeah, you're, I mean, you're yeah. right. It, it, it's, there's, there is one way of looking at it and that's the, the competitive side of it. Uh, sure. And competition makes everybody better. So I look at this as saying, yeah. uh, my hopeful side looks at it as like people at Marvel going, okay, here's what DC was able to pull off. How can we, how can we do it better? You know, how can we raise the bar of like what you're saying? I mean, like yeah. we've got, we've got a, we have a movie right here that has basically, you know, uplifted, you know, women and minor, you know, or minorities or however you want to view that, that particular piece. And it's like, can we do better? Can we take this and can we do or add to what's been out? And I hope that, that the answer is yes. Or at least we can, we equal it. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I think that in a world of Rotten Tomatoes reviews and stuff like that, that there's going to be some subjective viewpoints of that this is now going to be the watermark and anything that, that can't do as good of a job will be diminished because well, of it. It's a hell of a watermark, but it's, it's, it's a good one. And, you know, we can... We can we can rest today, you know, knowing that there there's something like this out there. Sure. Um, and I think, it, like I said, it gives a good guideline too. Sure. You don't I, have to screw it up. You have an example now. I am I am really looking forward. I'm really looking forward to the Captain Marvel movie, which is going to probably not hit us for another year or two. But we're going to get introduced to Captain Marvel. I thought my my prediction for last time was that Captain Marvel might be introduced in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Uh, yeah, they were getting closer to maybe Infinity spoiler, War. Spoiler word: she she wasn't, but but she will be introduced in the next Avengers movie. Yeah, and um, and I think maybe in the same way that Wonder Woman was introduced in Superman versus Batman, where she's kind of like teased in, and there's a there's a really cool moment. Um, she may be one of the highlights of that movie, but. Uh, but then, but then she'll get her own movie again. Very similar to like Black Panther. Let's take a moment. Let's introduce them, kind of a soft introduction, and then, and then give them a full movie to, to, uh, to tell us their side of the story, to tell us you know their origins and their, um, and how that plays out. So, yeah, I agree. So we're we're looking forward to that. And like I said, the the, the we've we've agreed that the the bar has been set and. Um, we have it. We have a good well, what role a model. Too. Yeah, what a tremendous win for you know DC too. Is like I think I mentioned earlier. There, I you didn't have a lot of faith in their movies. Like they'd crank out a new trailer and it'd be like me. I was I was and you're losing faith. But your perception that. changes a lot. You see one done well and go, they're capable of doing this, and mm-hmm. that sheds a new light on everything that they're doing. So yeah, it definitely makes Justice League look a little brighter on the horizon than it might have. Uh, so, hey, you know, great on that side of it. Absolutely. But definitely, uh, if you're going to go see any movie right now, that is the one I would pick. Uh, Wonder Woman is, I think, is a good match for anybody. I, I don't think there's anything really subjective that would be a miss for any viewer. Um, I mean, obviously, you could be young enough uh, to not get a whole lot out of it, but um, beyond that... I, I, I guess... No, I won't. I, won't. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to, like, you know, you're... If you're like a Prussian in the 1920s, I guess if you're you might... if you are a uh, card carrying misogynist, yeah. then uh, yes, it is not the movie for you. But hopefully, but... hopefully they don't they don't carry cards. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, hopefully they don't, they don't have to register with anybody. Uh, but, um, maybe, but maybe they should. 
<laughs> it, it would be easier to identify them, I guess. Well, it is okay. unfortunately yeah. that time to start wrapping things up. Right uh, hey, only 20 minutes over. Not too bad. Yeah, um, next uh, next cast, we got a little bit of a different subject material I think we're going to take up. We've been kind of diving into comics, uh, but as we both kind of discussed before the cast today, we want to. this isn't the only thing we want to talk about. So E3 just wrapped up. Uh, so I think we're going to showcase a few games that uh, maybe you know, both uh, present and past and maybe future. Um, we can definitely talk a bit about that. Um, we're actually going to, just by request from some various sources, uh, Steve and I are going to give some picks for some kid-friendly material. So if you've got kids and want to introduce them to the comics world or trade paperbacks or that kind of thing in general, we'll have some content for you there. Um, and you know, the other big subject coming up this year, if you're not talking comic book movies, you're talking about star Wars. So we'll be talking about some of the star star Wars stuff that's out there, uh, including rebels season three. We just wrapped up rebel season three, season four, so season four is, season four is, four is this fall, but we'll be talking a little bit about that. Um, I promise I no predictions. Yeah. I'll keep that out of the mix. No, well, we can't spoil what I can't see, you know? <laughs> Uh, so that'll be, uh, that'll be up next week. Uh, we also could have plenty of time for question and answers. So if you'd like to drop a line and put any questions for us as listeners, feel free to drop a line at heroicdebate at gmail.com. Uh, you can also visit our Facebook page, Heroic Debate, uh, and drop us any kind of commentary there that you'd like to. We'll have some, uh, a picture or two up on the, uh, Instagram, which is, uh, Heroic Debate Podcast on Instagram. And uh, I'll be posting a, a picture of my podcast drawing of the day. Um, a fantastic rendition well, of... Working on it, I might... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 1970s Luke Cage. Um, with the tear and everything. With the, yeah. Well played. So we'll have that up there, there a little bit later. Um, and if you have any requests for like maybe what you want to see drawn in, a, in an upcoming episode, uh, drop us a post on, that, uh, on, on Instagram. As always, um, yeah. thank you for listening. Thank you very much, and uh, stay super. <laughs>